Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good morning. How y'all doing, man? It's so good to be here. Listen, we're family because this is my family. So that means that I get to preach to you like I'm at home. So I just want to say, how you doing? How's your mama? We're going to have a good time this morning. And I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going to have an even better time tonight. Don't you miss tonight. Lean over to somebody and say tonight. It's going to be so much fun tonight. We're going to have um, the best way I can describe tonight is this. It's just going to be a blessing time. So some, some of you are like, well, what is it going to look like tonight? It's going to look like a, a Holy Ghost party tonight. Just fun time in the presence of God. What God wants us to do, we're just going to do. And here's the cool thing. God can do supernatural things without us being weird. Lean over your neighbor and say, you're not going to be weird tonight. Okay, so it's going to be so much, so much fun tonight. Don't miss tonight. If you have friends that say, what are y'all doing tonight? Say, we're going to a service where the priest will be getting a blessing. <laughs> They'll come right with you. It'll be great. So don't miss tonight. I cannot wait. Um, I can tell you this tonight. Um, the Lord spoke to me about tonight, and tonight will be a night where um, you're going to be encouraged individually. A word of encouragement spoken literally to you by God tonight. Don't miss tonight. Every single person that comes here tonight, you're going to hear an encouraging word from God specifically and directly to you. So it's going to be great tonight. Where I came from, we call that the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And it's just an encouragement from the Holy Spirit. Don't miss tonight. It's going to be great. Grab your Bible with me. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15. And while you're looking that up, um, I'm going to tell you this word is brought to you by the Bible. And it's going to be great. And it's going to be fun. And it's going to be inspiring. But this word is going to be funny. So if you're here and you don't like to have fun in church, you might want to leave because... This is going to be fun. That when you study any characters in the Bible, you discover that they weren't normal, just like your neighbor. Right? And this character is David. So everybody say his name real quick. David. David wasn't normal, y'all. David was different. David was a supernatural example that he made all the mistakes, but God always stayed with him, and he always seemed to stay with God. And because of this, David lived an amazing supernatural victory that I want to share with you today. So if you're there at 2 Samuel chapter 15, say, oh, yes. If you're not there yet, say, hold on now. Some of y'all, I see you over there still turning pages. I love you. You're my favorite. Holy Spirit fingers. So while she's looking it up, Pookie, why don't you come up here and say hi to everybody? Do not come up those stairs. Those stairs try to kill me, girl. See, you're tripping. This is my wife, Hush Marine. Hey. Good morning. It's so good to be here. We're from Daytona Beach, Florida. We have two boys Israel and Isaiah, they are 19 and 16. One's six nine. He eats two dinners. And the other one's six one. They look like Alan with my hair. So you can imagine. But they send their regards. They have a very busy weekend with sports and all that good stuff. Um, but they say hello. But I'd love to meet all of you back there. Um, we have some stuff that we brought with us and would love to say hello. Thank you. 
I was going to have her come all the way up here so I could kiss her on the face, but I'm scared. It's that, it's, you invited me to the Death Star. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you for allowing us to serve. And by the way, you can meet my pookie out there at the table, and I'm going to hopefully run out there and, um, and hug your neck. I believe we're family. That means this. After service, you're going to get a big, brown, sweaty hug. Okay? Don't, if, if you're like, I don't want you hugging me, what you have to do is go out the other door. Okay, because we're family. I'm going to try and hug you. Um, if you're okay with that, open your arms. If you're like, Alan, I'm not sure, put out your hand. If you're like, germs, stick out the elbow. And if you're scared, run. <laughs> because we want to let you know that we care about you and we sure love you. Um, you can pick up some of our ministry tools at the table. We have our series back there I'm preaching out of today called The Aroma. And it's all about identity and purpose. Um, I've been charged with writing um, many, many different times for different organizations. And, and this particular book I'm working on right now on the five senses and how they speak to our identity and how they speak to our purpose. History, theology, technology, science, put them together and you have the understanding of God. And so this is deep. You're going to be able to get, grab a lot out of this, but you can take the series home with you. When I open this up, I worked hard on this. So when I open this up, you have to go, ooh, ah, ready, go. Do it backwards. I love all of you. All of you. So you can take that. You need to give that to him because he's my favorite pastor. Just hook him up. Yep. He was the second person I met this morning after Sister Ruth. Um, I remember Sister Ruth's name because she offered me food. I love you, Sister Ruth. Wherever you are, you're my, fa you're my favorite. You came first, sis. Um, also, you can get our book, Undefeated. It's all about living in, in victory. What does victory look like? It's simply this. When people meet you a year from now, what are they going to say? Man, they, they're not the same person I knew a year ago. How do you walk in a way that every single moment is utilized in growth spiritually? That is supernatural victory. Whether you're brand new to Christ or you've been living for Jesus your whole life, you can live in this type of victory. And so... Um, I was asked by Charisma to write, and so I wrote this book for them. And, and when I finished writing it, I was like, Jesus, please let somebody buy this book. And they did. <laughs> our book shot up our publisher's bestsellers list. And my book outsold Joseph Prince and Joel Osteen's books. Hey. <laughs> That's right. For nine days. <laughs> and then they crushed me. So you can get your copy back there, and I'll sign it. It'll, it'll, I'd love to sign your book and hug your neck. And uh, like I said, if you don't want to hug, just run. Just run. Um, by the way, we have T-shirts that we normally would take to, with your students to, to conventions and camps. And I did these shirts for men, and it just simply says Jesus. What America needs right now is just more Jesus. We don't need more news. We don't need more, you know, views. We don't need much else, but we need more Jesus. And then I want to have some fun so we can share Jesus with people. So on the back it says, he's been lit since Genesis. The light of the world. And the, the back of the shirt glows in the dark. So when you're lost in the corn maze... This is for you, Pastor. That's too big for you, but you can, get, you can take that one. Man, we want to equip you to share Jesus with people and the love of God. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13. If you're ready, say, let's go. <laughs> David is in trouble. David is always, it seems, in trouble. Whether he's in the field watching sheep and lions and tigers and bears... 
are trying to kill him or he's bringing some cheese sandwiches to his brothers at the battlefront and a huge champion giant guy named Goliath wants to kill him. Or it's King Saul as he's leading worship in the palace, throwing spears at him. David seemed to always be in trouble. This time, David's own son, Absalom, is trying to kill him and steal his throne. Look at your neighbor and do like we do down south. Say, mm, mm, mm. That's just sad. Okay, here we go. So a messenger came and told David, the hearts of the people of Israel are now with Absalom. David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, he says, come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us, bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him and said, your servants are ready to do whatever our Lord the king chooses. So the king set out with his entire household following him, but he left 10 concubines to take care of the palace. Pastor can preach about concubines next week. So the king set out with all the people following him and they halted at the edge of the city. This is an important part. All his men marched past him along with all the Carathites and the Pelotites and the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. Skip to verse 23. The whole countryside wept aloud as the people passed by. The, the king also crossed the Kidron Valley and moved on toward the wilderness. Zadok was there too. And all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. What were they carrying? You guys are smart. What's the Ark of the Covenant of God? This is first service. Y'all know this stuff. Y'all saved. Y'all go to church at nine in the morning. Okay, people at 11, they going to, I'm just kidding. I love them. Don't tell them I said that, I'll deny it. What was the, you said it. There was, there was yes, the, the tablets. The presence, girl, she a theologian. The presence of God. So here's, let me, let me break it down for those of us who are like, man, just break this down, make it simple, because it's nine o'clock. Here's, here's what we learned. The First Testament Israelis were so misunderstood, mis, uh, so, so misunderstood deity that God said to them, listen, you, I got to give you a new understanding of who I am. So here's what I want you to do. Build a box. I, I want you to put some elements and some things in that box, but I'm going to put something in the box too, God said. I'm going to put a, a representation of my presence in the box. Wherever you go, carry the box. When you camp, camp around the box. When you worship, the, I want the box there. I'm a God who doesn't just want to lord over you. I also want to dwell among you. Then Jesus comes to the New Testament and Jesus says this. He says, hey, um, God no longer wants to make his habitation in wood and stone. God wants to make his habitation in blood and bone. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means you are the box. Lean over to your neighbor and say, you're the box. This is important that you're the box. You might even want to tell people, like New City Church, you might want to tell people, I'm a good looking box. This is cool. So they, 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 David stopped while everybody went past him and he offered sacrifices. Abiathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Father, I pray this morning in the next 30 minutes that you do something supernatural. We'd walk out of here changed, blessed, enhanced in our knowledge of you and our purpose our knowledge of you and the transformation you want to bring. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. I am so thrilled 
to be here preaching this message because I want you to know that this is for you. Walking around your hallways, y'all some of the nicest people. I love y'all. Free pastries? You're people after my own heart. I have a spiritual gift. It's eating. It's amazing just hanging out and getting to know you. And I just want to tell you something. A lot of you here don't know who you are. You don't understand who you are. So I've come here today as, as your Uncle Alan, letting you know your identity, who you are today. And when you go through difficult times and seasons, as Pastor alluded to earlier, when you're going through difficult things, the most important thing for you to know is who you are. It's real simple. I'm not going that deep this morning. Tonight, mm, we're going to go a little deeper. We're going to do a little bit, a spiritual investigation, a little theological reflection. But this morning, I just want to simply express two points, and then we're going to go to lunch. And it's going to be fantastic, okay? The first point is this. In order for you and I to go through difficult things and come out in victory, you've got to know or remember your identity. David is under attack. His own son is trying to kill him, steal his throne, and David remembered his identity. You're like, Alan, how do you know that? I'll explain in just a second. The moment David was attacked, he started to take the people to save them and leave the city, and all of a sudden, a hater shows up. Y'all got haters in Hokessin? No haters, you know, people that wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, they drink haterade and eat hater tots, haters. Like you ever notice when things go bad, the hater shows up that tells you, I told you not to go out with Bobby Joe, you know, the, the hater shows up and, and they just make things worse. Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 16, so, uh, King David's hater shows up named Shimei, mm-hmm, Shimei. I just, I just, that name just, mm, shimmy. Yeah. Like if you stub your toe on your bed at night, just don't cuss. Just say, shimmy. Yeah. <laughs> shimmy yeah was a hater of the highest order. And as David is leaving the city, seemingly in defeat, shimmy yeah starts talking trash. He goes, oh, David, the reason why your son is deposing you and all this is going down is because you're a murderer and a scoundrel. You're getting what you deserve, sucker. That's not really in there. That's the Alan Griffin version. But he picks up rocks and pieces of dirt and throws them at the king and the soldiers the whole time they're leaving. Scripture says that David's men were angry. They're like, David, really? Please, please let me go up there and bust a cap. That's not in the Bible either. But you know what? It was worse because David's mighty men, these dudes were bad soldiers. One of them's name was Abishai. His name means faithful and true. He said, King, please let me go up to, on that, that, that hillside and take his head off. That's worse than busting a cap. And David says, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. He says, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. He said, how much more of this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse. I was like, hold up. Let him curse. He said, for the Lord has told him to. I'm like, this is getting weird. Then David said this, perhaps the Lord will look down upon me, see my misery, and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. I read that and I went, hold on. We just figured it out. The reason why David didn't attack his enemy, his critic on that hillside, is because David knew who he was. And when you know who you are, you don't waste your time doing things that don't align with your identity. 
David is the king. David is the king. David is. Elvis is. Okay, just let me check it. The king. Kings fight battles for only a couple of purposes. Biblical kings, spiritual kings, godly kings. God said this, you're going to protect my people and you're going to enlarge the lands of my people. That was the only purpose of a king. The purpose of a king was not to fight uh, uh, wars because of personal insults and slights. That was not their purpose. Their purpose was to protect the people and to enlarge the kingdom. In other words, Joshua died before they evicted all the enemy out of the promised land. So David's job, his task, and Saul's before him was to, to eliminate the enemy, eviscerate, push the enemy out of the promised land and possess the land and protect the people. That's it. So David knew because of his identity not to fight a fight that was not beneficial to the kingdom. I'm about to preach right now. You see, 2020, it seemed like everybody was fighting fights that were not beneficial to the kingdom. We were fighting everybody on Facebook, everybody on Twitter, everybody on the talk, everybody we could find. We were fighting. We were fighting fights that we didn't need to fight. Why? Because we didn't know who we were. Do you know who you are? The Bible says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're peculiar. That means you're strange. <laughs> called to show forth God's praise, who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're not normal. You're royal. And that's why I love this church. You're not normal. You're not normal. Our community knows you for what you're for, not what you're against. You're for community. You're for the wounded, the brokenhearted, the lost. You're for those who just want candy. We just want candy. A corn maze? Really? What kind of church are you? A church that loves people so much that you'll plant corn months in advance so they can have fun. This community knows what you are for because you know who you are. But when we're going through a difficult time, we're not giving that's when we struggle with identity. When all hell broke out against David, he didn't forget. Don't fight your critics. There are people going to talk about you like a dog. Halloween is the Satan's day. Do not give out candy. Satan loves it when you give out candy. <laughs> like last time I checked, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. He didn't came to give, make sugary, and bless. Will people stop? Will you just stop, religious people? Will you stop? We are here to lift up the name of Jesus. And if it takes some Snickers to lift, ooh, hallelujah, I felt the Holy Ghost on that. If it takes some Snickers to lift up the Jesus, some Twizzlers to lift up the name of Jesus, we will possess every holiday. We will possess every calendar day because all of it belongs to the king. We're not giving up anything to the enemy. They will know us for what we are for and not what we're against. Shoot. Make me cuss the devil in church today. I promised I'd stop. But man, I'm telling you, it's so amazing how when we know who we are, we don't end up getting in the wrong fights. You know what I'm saying? Because the right fight requires the right mind. It really does. The only reason people talk about your life on Facebook is because they ain't got one. This is fun, isn't it? Do you like this church service? I'm enjoying myself. This, this is, we only got 22 minutes and you can go eat, okay? This is amazing. But it's true. 
And here's what I've learned, and this is spiritual. Here's what I've learned about fighting. Um, because God is in you, because you're a child of the king, because of Jesus, that all of us are royalty, bought in, I should say bought with a price and, and purchased into his family. Here's what's so cool. Um, when you fight, you win. And what you win, you possess. So you got to be careful because whatever you fight, you win. And whatever you win, you possess. So you, you can't lose. This is not about winning and losing. This is about winning or winning. And, and do you want to win the right thing or do you want to win the wrong thing? See, I don't want to win the wrong thing, so I don't fight my critics. If you fight your critics, you get what your critic has. What does your critic have? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's true. The people that complain the most have the least and give the least. This is fun. They tithe the least, too. We check the numbers. My dad was a pastor. They tied the lease. They complained. And we'd be like, fine, let you. <laughs> they ain't going to listen to that. If you fight your critic, you get what your critic has. Critical. Don't fight your critic. Draw closer and closer to God, but ignore the critic. Because your battle is more important. The real battle. So David ignores Shimei. And, and here's what's cool. He offers this sacrifice. This is amazing. I'm, I'm halfway done preaching. This is fun. He offers sacrifices while the people are leaving the city. And I'm reading that and I'm like, oh my goodness, I just caught it. Because David said, perhaps the Lord will look down upon me, see my misery, and restore to me his covenant blessing. His covenant blessing. What does that even mean? Well, I can explain that with one thing. Everybody in the room, do this. That is covenant blessing. This is fun. Church is great. Covenant blessing. That's what it is. God bless you, cutie. Covenant blessing. Now, some of you in the room, you're like, I didn't smell anything. We ask that you stand up, go home, and stay home for about two weeks, and then come. Too soon? Oh. I'll wait till next year. <laughs> Man, aroma. Think about this. Aroma is powerful. It can change the atmosphere of a room. It can change a whole church. They're, man, aromas are amazing. I walked in your church. Your church smelled like victory. You know what victory smells like? Coffee and cleaning products. <laughs> Nothing like fabuloso and some Folgers. You know what I'm saying? You guys, it, it's, it's powerful. And listen, think about it like this. You and I struggle sometimes. We're going through difficulties, whether it's marital, financial, fist, you know, uh, educational, whatever we're facing in a corporate world, whatever we're facing in our lives, we might go through difficulty and we think, God, you couldn't possibly care about the report I'm turning in tomorrow for the regional advisors. You couldn't possibly care about such it's just, little, just minutia of my life. Of course he doesn't care about my wrist that's been sore ever since I fell on the stage earlier. He doesn't care about that. What he cares about is starving children all over the world. No, God cares about everything. He cares about all things and he cares about you. And one of the ways that you can remember that is by remembering your identity like this. Think about it. We think we know how God's kingdom works. Like he doesn't care about me in this situation. But you don't even know how your nose works. But we think we know what God's thinking. See what I mean about us not quite knowing who we are? Check this out. Your, your brain is so sophisticated, it can break down the elements of complex chemical compounds to animate an oral understanding of its identity. 
So you could just be hanging out, just chilling. And all of a sudden you go, hold up, flour, yeast, butter, a little oil. What are you smelling? Bread, honey, wheat. Oh, Shaka Khan. You know what I'm saying? Honey, you, 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 you can determine what kind of bread it is with one wheat, rye, pumpernickel. You can determine if it's good bread or bad bread with one. She done burnt up that bread. You can determine everything with one sniff. How does it work? Think about it. We often don't even know about the details of how our body works, but we think we understand the details of how God cares. You're... <laughs> Your mind is fascinating. I love studying science. And, and so here's what I learned. I shouldn't say studying science, but, but studying using the, 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 tech, the technologies or using the, the, the activity of science. Here's what I learned about your nose. Um, you have millions of receptors in your olfactory epithelium, over 450 different receptors. These receptors extend electrical signals to, uh, to, to, sig to uh, piriform cortex through bulbs. These, these bulbs extend the signals electrically to the piriform cortex and the thalamus gland. The piriform cortex identifies the smell. So you walk around, you go, hold up, barbecue. Okay, piriform. Then immediately at the same time that you receive this smell, this is so cool. If you don't like this, you, you got to be losing your mind. The thalamus gland sends it to three places, and the first place is the orbital frontal cortex. So first you go, mm, barbecue. Then the orbital frontal cortex tells you the pleasure of the smell. So good barbecue. There's a difference. Then the hippocampus draws a learned response to the aroma. So it goes, what? What kind of barbecue? Then the hippocampus draws a learned response to the smell. So the hippocampus goes, what do we do about that? Eat it! Eat it now! Okay? My brain says that all day. Finally, the amygdala draws on the memory of the smell. So what did you smell first? What kind of barbecue? This is spiritual. You'll see in a minute. What do we do about it? Then finally, you get to the memory, the amygdala, the memory of the smell. Mm, 2017, 4th of July. That was a wonderful barbecue year. What do we call that? Smemories. <laughs> Everybody has smemories. Good smemories, bad smemories. Everybody has smemories. Listen, you ever been walking around and you smell a good smemory? Come on, New City Church. You know what I'm talking about. You're watching me online. Your good smemory, something that reminds you of some good times, some great things that happened in your life. And you're like, and I had the time of my life. You know, a good smemory. You walk a little faster. You're kind of a little hop step in your, in your giddy up. Or you're walking around the fair. Uh-oh. Maybe even the corn maze. And you smell some perfume that reminds you of that hussy. Y'all say hussy, that girl you that dumped you in junior high, and you like, now we've come to the end of the road, Susie. You know what I'm talking about. I, I used to be able to get on my knee, but now my knee hurt. Remember that? Smemories. Did you know that God has memories? Did you know that you are his memory? This is fun. Genesis chapter 8, the Bible talks about Noah and his family, okay? Remember, they're saved from the flood. I have to explain this in the next service. 
but not to you. There's a big old flood coming. So God tells Noah and his family, erect an ark, a huge ship, the dimensions of which are used today for lifeboats on cruise ships. Pretty cool. I want you to erect this thing. And then when the flood comes, your family and the animals, two of every ceremony and socially clean, and I'm sorry, unclean, and seven of every ceremony and socially clean animal will be on that ship with you. When they come off the ship, Genesis chapter eight, it says this. The first thing Noah did was built an altar. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord, hold up. What was the next word? I can't hear you. See, I'm taking you on a journey. He smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. All of a sudden, there's a ribbon in the sky for our love. God establishes covenant based on a smell. He says, I'll be your God. You be my people. Walk in the way I command you that it may go well with you. Smell. From then on, humans would do these offerings of animal sacrifice. And, and people think, oh man, that's just brutal. No, no, no. It was a barbecue. The food they sacrificed was edible. They didn't waste anything. They, the, the, the Jewish people believed that when they put the, 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 the meat on the altar, that that was God's plate. And so the spiritual leaders would sit around the altar and eat and fellowship, literally hang out with God. They were having barbecues with the creator. That's why in the end of the, New the Old Testament, God got frustrated with them because they turned what was fellowship time into ceremony. Where they didn't want to spend time with God. They're like, let's get this over with so we can go party. And so God said, I'm, you know what? Save the animals. I'm sick of this. You don't even spend time with me. We don't even talk anymore. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is stinketh. Save the animals. I'm sick of sacrifices. At that moment, Jesus in eternity said, Father, I'll go. I'll give my life so that they can sit at our table and we don't just go to theirs. That's cool. Aroma. Aroma. So think about this. David is running for his life. And what does he do? He has a barbecue. The whole city is leaving in seeming defeat. And everybody's like, oh, David's a loser. Look at David. Oh, man. Just give me five minutes. I don't want you up here. David's, David's a loser. David, there's no way he's going to win. And David's like, oh, man, bring that smoke over here. <sighs> barbecue, barbecue, barbecue. I will be your God. You be my people. Walk in the way I command you, and it will go well with you. <sighs> covenant, covenant, covenant. Promise, promise, promise. Can you smell? what my God is cooking. He's cooking up victory. He's baking up blessings. He's preparing a table for me in the presence of all my enemies. David was smelling victory. He was reminding himself, everything is going to be all right. He's just reminding himself it's going to be all right. Hmm. Smell. It's all through the Bible. Exodus chapter 30, we talk about the original anointing oil. God establishes with, with uh, 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 Moses and Aaron, and he tells them to, I want you to uh, assemble an ointment compounded according to the art of a perfumer. 
<laughs> You're going to pour it on prophets and priests. Later on, kings like David. Six quarts of it poured on David. As much as they said nine quarts. You talk about David getting anointed, bro. He struck oil. You got an oil change. Nine quarts. I might have been diesel by the time they got done with him. That's amazing. It was poured on them, and it had these special elements in it. In Exodus chapter 30, God says this. It's holy, 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 holy. This oil is holy, set apart to me. It is only to be poured on prophets and priests. That's it, no one else. If it is, they're to be excommunicated. God had a signature scent he wanted his servants to wear. That's cool, aroma. Let's go to the New Testament. Aroma's there too. In the New Testament, um, Jesus is born, right? And we sing about the Christmas carols. Oh, I love Christmas carols. And, and, and one of them we sing about is, we three kings of glory and awe. Remember? That was all about Jesus being a little boy and these magi appeared. They, most theologians say hundreds of leaders appeared. And out of their treasures, they presented little boy Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and two of the three gifts they gave little boy Jesus were aroma gifts. The most valuable gift they gave him that day was not gold, but myrrh worth more, more than its own weight in gold. Aroma, aroma, aroma. We're not done. We're not done. How about the tabernacle? Remember that, the outer court? Take me into the whole. You got to be old school to remember that song. Outer court, inner court, holy of holies, right? Holy of Holies was special. There was a veil, inches and inches thick, that separated the inner court from the Holy of Holies. And the, only the high priest could go into that room once a year, unless it was really bad tragedy, okay? And he would grab a censer. It's a box or an orb that held incense. He'd go to the inner court. He'd grab incense, put it in the censer, go to the veil before his yearly entrance into the presence of God, and he would put the censer beyond the veil and wave it before the box, the Ark of the Covenant, preparing his entrance into the presence of God with an aroma that represented intercession, prayer, or complete surrender, supplication to God. Aroma, 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 aroma. I'm almost done. This is fun. Watch this. This is so cool. God is so smart. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says this that we are to be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has walked in love or lived in love and given himself as an offering for us for a sweet-smelling aroma. So the First Testament, Old Testament sacrifices were savory, but Jesus' gift on the cross was sweet. Why? Because you may start something savory, but when it's over, you want a little something. Jesus on the cross said, it is he ended that sacrifice. The Jewish people, our wonderful Jewish brothers and sisters, now believe that animal sacrifices are no longer necessary, that prayer is that sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus, we know Jesus ended it. He finished it once and for all, the sweet gift of God. But did you catch what he said at the beginning? Come on up here, make me sound spiritual. Give me some of that good stuff, you know what I'm saying? That, that old school. <laughs> it said that you and I are to live as children, dearly loved as we are. You know what smells really good? A baby. Hold up, a clean baby. <laughs> right when you get that baby out of the Johnson's baby wash and you put the baby lotion on them, they smell so good. You just want to sniff them all day. 
Did you know that the Smithsonian Institute did a 40-year study on the aroma of a baby and the effect it has on its parents? The Smithsonian, and this is what they discovered. It has a decided effect akin to drug addiction. That when you smell your children, it physiologically forces you into a response. And the response is this, bonding and service. Bonding and service. You will hug that baby, kiss that baby, snuggle that baby. You won't let that baby out of your sight. And then service. You will do whatever that baby wants. Men are normal and women are normal before we have children. When we have children, we lose our minds. It's true, grandmama, you're worse. The Smithsonian said you lose it to the point of oral fixation. That's why when you sniff your grandbabies, you're like, I just want to eat that little baby up. I want to bite his little toes. Why? Because it does something to you. It's like a drug. That baby looks at you like, gotcha. Now go get me cookies. It's incredible. Bonding and service. <laughs> oh man, it's true. Do you know that you are God's baby? Jesus said, if you're going to come in the kingdom of God, you have to come as a child. Why did he say that? You must be born again. The disciples are like, we can't go back in our mama's womb. He says, no, no, it's spiritual. You must be born again, regeneration spiritually, where you trust God as if you were a baby. That's totally different. And he describes the kingdom of heaven as the father being our father, as he being our brother, and as you being the baby of the family. You're the baby. Why is this important, preacher? Because when you're going through difficult times, you and I, I know I do, I think I'm the adult. I'm like, I got myself in it. I'm going to get myself. I'm going to pick myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm going to fix this thing. You know what? God will help me, but I'm going to fix it. You know, God helps those who help themselves. That's a lie from Satan. God does not help those who help themselves. God helps us because we can't help ourselves. We are the baby. He is the father. Jesus is the perfect brother. And what he wants us to do is trust him. In the middle of your circumstance, trust him. In the middle of your problem, trust him. You are the baby. To him, you're that little naughty baby in the parking lot running towards the freeway. <laughs> And you know, the parents that aren't educated in parenting, they chase the baby. That's a mistake. Never chase your baby. Okay. What you do is you run past your baby and you go where they're going before they get there. You sprint past them. You're not chasing them. If you chase them, they'll turn and do weird stuff. No, you run around them and you get in front of them. You go, ah, and they go, ah. And then you pick them up, Whee! and you want to punish them so bad, running for the highway, them little naughty little babies. But you take one sniff, you can't do it. You start kissing them and hugging them. You scared me to death. Oh, you little naughty baby. That's how God sees you. You think you're so bad. You're so naughty. You've done so much. Oh, God will never forgive. You're just a dirty baby. Do you know what we do with dirty babies? We clean them. We wipe them down. If they get real bad, they get in the mud puddle. We give them a bath. Whiter than snow, the Bible says. Washed. Wow. You're the baby.
One more scripture, okay, before we go to lunch. One more scripture. Second Corinthians. It says this. Now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph through Christ. And here's my favorite part. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God. Whew, I could preach just that sentence right there. I could have started there with you guys. You're already here with me. For we are to God, the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we are the aroma of life leading to life. To one, the aroma of death leading to death. And who is sufficient for these things? Let me transliterate that real simple. You are God's baby. And oftentimes we're the dirty, naughty baby. And it gives us, uh, at times because of our failures, our mistakes, it gives us a really weird opinion of ourselves that we're less than, that, that God looks at us with shame and he doesn't want to claim us like we're the, the, the bad sheep, the black sheep. I don't know why the bad sheep has to be the black sheep. There's plenty of bad white sheep out there too. Just saying. <laughs> I'm not getting invited back in my TJ. <laughs> It started with the trip, okay? It started, y'all tripped me on them stairs. And that's what you get. You get the crazy version of Alan. But you know what? To God, here's what the scripture says. To, to your Father in heaven, because of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, God can't even tell the difference between your smell and his perfect son, Jesus. And everywhere you go, you carry the aroma of Christ. The world is better because you're in it. Because of Jesus, you're the good baby. So do we expect our children, our babies to fix things? They knock over something on the counter. You know what we tell them? Please get out the way. Please don't get hurt trying to fix that. I'll fix it. You just, you just get in my arm. You just get close to me. I'll fix it. I have the power. God just wants you to do the best you can, and he'll take care of the rest. He doesn't expect you to fix everything. We can't fix the problems in culture, but we can do the best we can, and he will do the rest. We can't all fix our marriage. We just do the best we can, and he, if we submit our life to him, he will do the rest. If we just trust him, he wants to scoop you up in his arms, and fix it, heal it, restore it. Hmm. So David, He's leaving his city. He's lost. Everybody thinks he's a loser. And he reminds himself with a barbecue that I'm the king. I'm not just the king. I'm God's king. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. But that wasn't it. It wasn't just a motivational moment because the, the scripture shows us that while he was leaving his own city, Jerusalem, the city of David, while he was leaving his own city in, seemingly de in seeming defeat, David wrote a song. So my second point, which is the end of the message. What do you do when it seems like things are going wrong? Number one, remember your identity. Number two, remember your training. In other words, remember where you've been. Remember what you've been through. Remember this, God has never failed you and God never will. How do you best remember that? How do you remember your training? How do you remember what you've been through? David did it with a song. He wrote a song while he was running for his life. Psalm 103. That's what he did. 
Isn't that kind of weird? This is what he wrote. Lord, how many are they increased who are against me? How many are they who trouble me? How many are they who rise up against me and say to me, there is no help for him in God? But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head high. I cried to the Lord with a mighty voice, and he heard me from his holy mountain. I cried to, I love that. I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I will not be afraid of tens of thousands of people who set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. That's so good. I skipped down. Go down. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. You struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You've broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation he writes, belongs to the Lord. For your glory has been, will be upon, your grace will be upon, your joy will be upon, your salvation has, is upon all of your people. He wrote this while he's running for his life. Why do we worship and sing songs? It reminds us of who God is, who we are, and who we are to him. It's how we remember. He's never failed. Leaders have failed us. Judicial has failed us. Education sometimes has failed us. Industries have failed us. Family has failed us. But Jesus, he's never failed us. He never will. Can I pray for you? Because 40 days later, David marched back into Jerusalem victorious. David didn't even have to fight. The battle was fought for him. And when he marched back into the city victorious, guess who met him at the gates? Shimei, the hater. Don't you just wish he'd step on his face? He didn't. He looks at Shimei and goes, hey man, I'm not going to kill you yet. And he lets Shimei live. Solomon jacked Shimei up. You should read about that later. That's hilarious. But Shimei, he lets him live. Why? Because Shimei was going to be a vassal. Shimei from then on was going to be a servant. I believe this, that when you come through the things that are happening to you right now, when you get through the struggles that face you right now, when you come out on the other side, the people that thought they were your enemies are going to realize that God God is for you and God is for them and they might just become some of your celebrators. They just might be your teammate. They just might be the greatest employee your business has ever had. Why? Because God is in the unification business and he'll make your enemy your friend. <laughs> Baby, victories don't need to know. Sometimes you just need to sing it. Y'all good? Can I pray for you? I went over four minutes and 40 seconds. Don't be looking at me like that, Neil. Don't look at me like that. I see you. Central City liked it. Central City clapped for a black man right now. Thank you. You're my favorite, don't <laughs> Can I pray for you? I love praying for you. Will you do this for me? Take your right hand, put it over your heart. And I want you to take your left hand and hold it up. 
Yep, just like that. If you're in here and you go, Alan, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to start or restart my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to wave that hand. And, 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 and if you're here and you go, I have loved ones that need a relationship with God, pray for them too, preacher. When I count to three, I want you to wave your hand as well. We're, we're either waving our hand for ourselves or for somebody else who needs God in their life. Are you ready? One, two, three. Wave at me right now. Me too. I got loved ones that I want in a relationship with Jesus, just like my wife and I have it even better. Yeah. Some of us are like, man, I'm rededicating my life. That's awesome. Some of you are like, man, I'm starting new today. This is great. Say this prayer with me out loud. Don't be afraid to say it out loud. Say, hey, Jesus. He's here, so call him. Say, hey, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I need your forgiveness to take away my sins. I confess I've made mistakes but I want in your family. And your scripture says, if I ask you, you'll forgive me and you'll have me in the family. Now I'm yours, God, and I have you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for my, my brothers and sisters and all of our loved ones who, who need a relationship with you. Father, I pray that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ and that, Lord God, you'd allow us to be part of the process. Lord, we ask that your blessing would lead them to your kindness, would lead them, your, 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 your giving and your encouragement would lead them to repentance and that they, oh God, would turn their life to you, saved and sanctified and filled with your Holy Spirit and speaking and preaching your gospel everywhere they go. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name and everybody's say amen. 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 Will you give God a hand because God is awesome. <laughs> you might want to tell your neighbor, I was a naughty baby. No, look at your neighbor and tell him this, you smell like Jesus. Everywhere you go, you carry the aroma of Christ. You are a diffuser of the aroma of Jesus. That's awesome. I sure love you. And by the way, if you need prayer, I'm going to stick around down here in the front. The prayer team will be here to pray with you. And uh, if I can get out there to hug your neck, I'm going to sweat all over. I mean, I'm going to love you. And thank you so much for allowing me to serve you. You're the best. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com. Or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.